This oil bath is going to feel so good. So good. Hello, welcome to the Weekly Song Podcast. My name's Roger. And my name is, uh, not Roger, but it does have an R in it, if you include my full name. It actually has two R's in it. So there we go. You can try and hunt me down now. You're a man of many names. And many names, three to be exact. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, episode 132 of the podcast, season 14, and we're back to, to bring two songs each to the table. That's right, I said two. Declan, why are we bringing two songs to the podcast, for those who don't know? Because this season of the podcast works a little differently. Normally we write a song each and bring it to the podcast and discuss it and things like that. Uh, for some reason in February, I had the mad idea to join in the February songwriting challenge, which is basically, can you get 14 songs written in 28 days? Uh, and because I decided to make myself suffer, I thought I'd drag Roger along for the ride <laughs> with, the, with the prospect that maybe we could get both a season of the show and possibly an album out of this if we were very good uh <laughs> we're working on one <laughs> <laughs> well well kind of we're working on both aren't we are we uh yeah um by working we mean a lot of planning and then desperately trying to find some time where we're both like free and in more or less the same county mm, mm. i keep resting on my laurels and going hey we have the album written it may not be produced or even like pre-produced but yes yeah, it's, it's getting to that point where it's like uh yeah i've demoed everything now and i just keep thinking no but i've got to put the snare and the bass drum on and send it to you and i've got to write up the chords and i've got to do this that and the other and you've got to make sure you're playing them so they stick in your head <laughs> uh... <laughs> oh man tell me about it it's um it's it's a long process isn't it from like demoing a song on your phone to it being a finished product and it's like Maybe one day we should do like a, a episode just about that, about how you develop something from a demo to a fully produced thing. Because it's... I think we did before, didn't we? Did we? We did studio production in one of the. I think it might have been one of the early lockdown episodes. We took a track from the captive audience and we took a track from your upcoming project, and we went through them and we uh, sort of said, "Oh, we added this, that, and the other. We expanded it to this. We did diddle 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 diddle." Oh, good. Okay, well that's already done then. <laughs> Fantastic. That's one thing we can tick off the list. Uh. <laughs> awesome. But yeah, it is It is an involved process. And um, yeah, I still need to do the thing of like adding kicks and snares to my demos. Uh, I'm glad it's not to. just me then. Oh, yeah, me too. I mean, f for anyone wondering, like, why would you do that? Um, it's because... It's because kicks and snares are awesome, okay? They're the <laughs> backbone of a drum kit. So, you know... It sort of like Why not? adds the accents of like where the certain hits should be in the song and like where there should be drums and where there should be quiet parts and stuff so that then we can take something that is basically like a skeleton or a grid into the studio and then play a real drum kit along to it um, but know where we are on the song. So it's like a guide track. It's also quite nice for if you are getting someone to play drums on your stuff, uh, just sending them like the key accents, which will be kick and snare. And then you can say to them, like, play around with this as much as you want, but that's where the kicks and the snares more or less have to go. Yes, yes, exactly. It's more it's more to do with, like, um, establishing the rhythm of a track, which is something a lot of my tracks, whenever I have people, like, playing Cajon and them on stage, I get used to get this with um, a song, an old, an old podcast song called Vultures and Giants. Oh, that's uh, a that, throwback. 
That's a throwback, yeah. But that's uh, quite a fast one. And in my head, that's a punky fast one. Uh, the trouble is, the way I tend to play it on acoustic guitar, when you had someone playing Cajon, they used to do like the slow sort of country beat on it. It's just kind of like you were to, you're trying to work out how to non-verbally communicate whilst playing and singing the song like, no, this should be punk. This should be punk. Speed up. <laughs> I remember something you said actually once, which I've remembered to this day is like, I said to you like, doesn't it annoy you when that happens? And you're like, well, it, I, it depends like what I want out of the situation. Like I'm just going to an open mic to have fun with friends then that's my objective. If I'm going to a gig that's serious and paid and I want to, you know, put on a really good performance, then that's my main objective. And I thought that was a quite a healthy way of looking at it. Yeah, like, uh, obviously, we try and take our music seriously. And, like, even when I'm at an open mic, I try and take, uh, like, my performance seriously. But at the same time, the reason you're there is to hang out with mates, watch a load of uh, other artists do their thing, and just have a bit of a laugh. Like, it's a much different thing. Like, so, like, in that scenario, like, it's it's slightly irking if someone gets a rhythm wrong, but it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Because we're all just there to have a bit of fun. Uh, and, and for one night, Vultures and Giants can be a country song. Um, <laughs> if that was a proper gig, however, then, you know, I would have rehearsed and practised. Uh, and at that point, if they were doing it wrong after we'd gone through it, that would be annoying. Mm, mm. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, to get to the songs for this week, um, I believe it's me going first this week. And the first song I'm going to bring uh, to show you guys um, is called Irish Good... No. No, it's not. <laughs> I You've already shown them Irish Goodbye. Irish Goodbye is a lovely song, but... I want to show it again. I want to show it again. No, I, I made a mistake. Uh, the first song I want to show you is called I Used to Laugh. And it was the fifth song I wrote in February. And it goes a little something like this. Song five, I Used to Laugh, G major. Today I don't have anything to say. Is that okay? Is that okay? Something took the wind out of my sails and ran away. It ran away. I used to laugh from nine eleven till the time I'd finished school. I used to laugh. You shouldn't spend your life just staring at the wall. I used to laugh at how you'd never let my life begin. In games of yesterday, you'd always win. But today and tonight, I am free of all your sorrow. And the spell that you cast holds no power for tomorrow. There's a light up ahead, and I hope my sister sees it too. I don't have anything to say But that's okay Yeah, that's okay Remembering the things you used to say Well, are you gay? 
Why don't you look at her that way I used to laugh? So that was uh, Roger's song, I Used to Laugh. Uh, and you know what? I used to think that life was full and complete, and then I heard that song and I realised that was not the case. But it is complete and full and full of meaning now. So thank you for that with your lovely, beautiful song. How did this one come about? Because I'm I'm listening to that first lyric, uh, Today I don't have anything to say. Like, is is that a comment on where you were with the challenge? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, that's kind of where it started. Yeah, well, thanks, first of all. And also, I'm glad that your play on of the, what the songs are called is back. That makes me very happy. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was like, how do I start this song? Today, I don't have anything to say. Because, I mean, you know, this is a songwriting podcast, so both of us know and everyone listening knows that you have those days, you know, you, you sit down and you have that blank computer screen or that blank notebook right in front of you and you don't have anything to say. Um, but then I kind of thought, like, where can I take that lyric? Um, it's kind of based on this thing of um, perhaps somebody knows who said it originally, but it's this kind of like widespread practice, which is, you know, done by writers of like, if you don't have anything to write, just write down on the paper. I don't have anything to write. So this is kind of my version of doing that. See, that's interesting because I've tried writing songs about having nothing to say before. For some reason, that locks me up. Like, I can't think of anything interesting to say about having nothing to say. Like, uh, it, it, it's kind of a sticking point for me mentally. So I consciously try and avoid that now, which is why you end up getting... Uh, songs where I say, well, I didn't have anything to say this week, so I watched an interview with Tom Baker and he said he was about to die, so I wrote a song about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that is kind of my go-to, actually, the kind of go-to a uh, piece of media or substance. Um, usually for me, it's just like grab some random book from the bookshelf and open it up or um, go on oblique, oblique strategies and just draw a card and see what comes to that. But with this one, I kind of... I guess I was lucky because I was like, I don't have anything to say, but how can I tie that into my own life and my own experiences with social situations? Um, and just kind of asking that question of like, if I turn up to a, a social gathering or something or if I'm, I'm with someone and and I'm in like kind of a quiet mood, um, is that all right? You know, will people still like me for who I am, even if I'm not sort of cracking jokes and that sort of thing? So I guess it's kind of exploring that, but then it evolved quite quickly because in the chorus, I start talking about like um, childhood and just, I guess, I guess exploring some difficulties and stuff. So when we were at school, you and I, 
Um, well, we didn't go to not the... together. <laughs> we didn't sadly. go to private school together, but we're the same age. So, like, when we were in what year? Year five, year six. Um, nine eleven hmm. happened. The twin, the bombing of the twin towers. Um, I remember that. Uh, I remember seeing the first news footage of it. For some reason, I've been watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and <laughs> the news report after that. I used to love Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I used okay, to love. They... <laughs> but there used to be like this. Do you remember the? Um, uh, they had like this. Uh, little uh electronic version of it you could buy at home which had cards you could put in the top oh yeah and somehow the machine would know the answers so like you could try and win your way to uh uh like a million pounds which was very cool and it had little recordings of chris tarrant in it <laughs> i never had it but i saw it on sale at woolworth's for sure Oh, I, I, I had one of those. I was one of the sad, nerdy children who had one of those. <laughs> I like how um the memory of 9-11 for you is in your mind, synaptically, ne- right next door to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. <laughs> well, that's because the program finished and I remember seeing the news broadcast about it. Uh, interesting. See, I remember where I was at the time. I was out with my mum and she uh, she just picked me up from school and we were walking home. It was quite a sunny day. Um, and I remember the exact alleyway we were going through in Penzance. And she said, um, did you hear about that thing on the news today? I said, no. And she said, um, somebody flew a plane into one of the buildings in New York. I was like, really? And like that, I didn't, I couldn't really comprehend it. Like I'd never heard about anything like that before. So, um, so, so anyway, that made it into the lyrics, but I tried to lean into speaking about things darker things in this song things that took a little bit more sort of like vulnerability bravery i've said this over the few episodes actually i think recently and i I think i must have made some kind of semi-conscious choice to be a bit more vulnerable with these songs the most vulnerable line being um uh, in the second chorus that where the backing vocals say i used to laugh when you would touch me where i couldn't touch myself having inappropriate you know, contact from an adult when you were young, you know, and I suppose like the, I used to laugh sort of thing is like I resent the fact I used to laugh. You know what I mean? Like that was my only mechanism. And I think that's what the whole song's about, really. It's just like I can't believe I used to laugh at things like that, you know, and but that's kind of like, I don't know, you kind of like laugh things off like that, I suppose. Um, but but the the positive side of that is like kind of the reason I bring this up is not just to kind of go, woe is me or something. There's a catharsis in songwriting. And it's almost like a kind of, once you kind of like write something down and get it out. I mean, this isn't the first time I've <clears throat> spoken about it or written about it. I remember when I was like 18 or 19, the idea of writing a song that was vulnerable in any sense was terrifying to me. Like really, really scary. And I like to think that songwriting over the years has has allowed me to be more vulnerable. I guess that's what I wanted to say. Well, I suppose there's this thing, if you turn it into art, art that you control, art that you have power over, then that's kind of in some small way gaining some element of control over something negative that might have happened to you. Mm. Yeah, I remember I... uh, It's a song from long, long ago that I've completely forgotten how to play, but like it was uh, like about being bullied at... uh, like as a kid and like uh, one particular instant where like I remember just being shoved back down into concrete flooring like over and over again. Fuck. 
yeah, no, that was uh, that took me about a decade to process. Um, but uh, yeah, it's once you write it down, it's kind of like a, you don't it doesn't stop affecting you, but it's just kind of like, well, there we go. I can deal with that now. I can compartmentalize all of my emotions into this thing that then has positive value, which is art. Absolutely. I've I've heard like um, something along the lines of this said in therapy um, before where like the idea is that whatever happens to you ha- has happened to you in the past is objective. Like you have to deal with it. It's happened to you. It's, it's a fact. But rather than it being like something that was completely out of your control, which it was, you can kind of like process it by telling the story yourself and going okay, it's not just, I'm not a victim anymore. I'm telling the story now. This is this is what happened. The person who did this was abhorrent and wrong and all the rest of it. But it's like you're retelling the story, you know? And whether you do that through songwriting or whatever, I think is um, <clears throat> ultimately positive. Like, you can't choose your emotions towards a certain event, but you can certainly, like, regulate them and sort of... If, if there is any, like, strong emotion that might want, make you want to, like, I don't know, take action with regards to something whatever that action might be you can then channel that into like a creative force (laughs) because at least then you end up with a song at the end of it It, we're going to come back to that theme in a much more minor way than this but like that uh like uh emotional honesty and like uh trying to be positive out of a negative situation and things like that so yeah Uh. (laughs) Uh, that's that's awesome i mean like are we going to come back to that with this next song of yours now or uh, Heart crossed. Yeah. Um, sort of. Yes. Uh, it was song number five that I wrote for the challenge, and it goes something like this. I know we fought about things on the same line, same lines as two. So much more in the days when things are better. Every day, and I better lose you, but you seem to slip away. Fur, 
<laughs> Brilliant. That was uh, Heart Crossed, uh, Declan's fifth song from February. And uh, I really like it because um, you originally demoed these on your phone. Those are the ones I heard originally. So I'm hearing these newer demos with the bass and so forth on the uh, podcast for the first time, same as the listeners. And uh, I'm a really big fan of that. It's really cool. Really good arrangement and uh, awesome. Big fan of that one. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, this was uh, the fifth song I wrote. I wrote this on day 13. So a uh, little, little bit behind. Uh, <laughs> you really have written that on day 10 or 11. but Because uh, all songs must be regimented into being written in a two-day period. Um, <laughs> yeah, this one started off, musically it started off with that bit that almost kind of makes up the bridge. Ah, uh, yeah. Because what that is, is um, a four to a five, which is going from a four to a uh, major seven version of that four, to a five, to a seven version of that five, to a major three, to a six, and then like a slight variation on that. And it's just kind of like retro-constructing it. So like uh, the first bit of that appears a couple of times in the verses and in the sections that sort of come between bits. And then, like, a, the only sort of other big thing in there is the uh, chorus, which is a four to a seven, which would be the F diminished. No, it would be the six, which would be the F diminished back to the root. No, it would be the seven. I was correct. Yeah. I'm always correct. Diminished uh, are always sevens. Yeah. Four I mean... to seven to eight or one, the root, basically. Um, this was kind of, again, written to be a bit more... I think the past couple of songs I've written have been slightly mellower, so I just wanted to go like, let's write one that's a bit more Frank Turner, shall we? Well, you mean sort of like a bit more of a sort of driving beat to it, or...? Bit more upbeat, bit more... Like, uh, you could almost imagine it being done in a rock band kind of thing. And uh, what's this one about? Uh, well, a couple of things spurred me into it. Like, I had recently had a group of friends, like, randomly just turn up... Uh, who I used to go to uni with and used to live with at uni, uh, turn up at my work. And I just realised that we drifted quite a long way away Mm. from each other in that time. Uh, And then, like, another person I used to live with at uni, uh, I I, I saw them posting a few things that made me a bit sus. It was basically just about, like, NFTs and, like, uh, like, being really big into, like, that community and just things like that. And it's kind of posting sort of stuff that makes me think, wow, you've bought into this a lot. You've kind of (laughs) just made this your whole personality. The trouble is like, there's a financial risk with that as well. So it's kind of thinking like if I was a better friend and if I didn't live half the country away, I'd give this advice. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) I'm a terrible friend. Uh, No, you're not. I mean, like it's, it's difficult to do that when, you don't really talk to someone anymore. I have that with people too. Just like, oh no, you're doing that. You know, I get it. Yeah. Generally that feeling where like you see a mate talking about something and their opinion on it surprises you to the point where like, I didn't think you had that in you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which I'm sure everyone has had with someone like that they know at some point. Uh, So it's just kind of like, open advice to sort of or like what i would try to give as advice which would be to try and listen and try and respect the differences but also like try and be a force that guides you back from the edge of 
going too far with certain ideas, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's... Not to sound like preachy, like, I know what's good for you. <laughs> it just sounds like you're being considerate, really, um, from a distance in a way. Yeah, like the key line in it, I think, the one that is emblematic of the whole approach is that one just before the se- uh, second chorus, I'll hear you in if you hear me out. Like the thing of trying to, like... If you have concerns, raise the concerns, but also like don't forget to listen because like no one changes or learns by just being shouted at. <laughs> yes, exactly. Which is that's like one of the big problems on the internet generally, isn't it? It's like Well, it's the anonymity of it. Like uh you can give the most compassionate, reasoned and uh thoughtful and empathetic argument that you can. But it just takes someone to just take the anonymity of the internet and just like yell at you for, uh, you know, <laughs> daring to share another idea. Um, <laughs> like I said, I I want to say it's what I would say. I don't know if I can say this, but like, it's it's the sort of thing I'd like to be able to say to friends, and it's the sort of the idea that I'd like to be able to think that I could be this for people who are who I know, who I'm close to, that might be struggling. This idea will get uh, refined and there is a better version of this song, which is the second song I shall be presenting later. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, there's a thematic link. Accidentally, these are about like two separate sets of people, but like the core idea I think was expressed better on the second one. So without getting into the second one too prematurely, like when you finished Heartcross lyrically and maybe demoed it, did you think like, I can do a little better at like refining this idea or was it like just coincidence? I think the thing with this song is that it was the spur for it and the people I was writing about aren't part of my life at the moment. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like uh there's there's still friends like uh obviously I still uh like see them on Facebook and everything and I you know I would like to meet up and uh hang out with them again because you know had a couple of good years together. But it's also, it's difficult to, like, envisage what you would say to them about, like, certain issues up front, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, you'd, you'd have to reintroduce yourself and reintroduce yourself to each other and things like that. And, like, you wouldn't just, like, if you hadn't seen someone in about 10 years, you wouldn't go up to them and say... No, I'm I'm worried about you because like uh, you've done this, that, and the other, and it, you keep posting all these weird things, and like you keep saying that the earth is made of cheese. Like, it's not, you know. <laughs> I see what but, you've been putting on Facebook. Well, it's like the like if it's talking to people again, we're jumping ahead a little bit here, but if it's talking to people that are more an active part of your life at the moment, then. It, it's it's easier to like mentally envisage saying that like I'm, I wasn't dissatisfied at the time with these words but having had another crack at the same idea this one's a weaker one I understand I understand yeah well I, I I'm I always kind of like learn the actual details of the anecdote behind your songs on the podcast so I think both songs are equally good lyrically, but you know what they're like trying to address, I suppose, more than I do. Well, this is kind of why artists are the worst judge of their own work. Yeah, oh, yeah, God, yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's much more to say about this one. Um, I, I like it, but if I did anything with it, I would want to, um, to 
re refresh it a bit. Also, like I kind of forgot how to sing the <laughs> the words at the front, which you may like hear on the recording there. Like the lyrics in verse one are a bit like awkward in how they're phrased. It's just like that was what was written down on the page. That's what I sung on my phone, and then when I came to try and do it now, it's just kind of like um, these syllables don't fit. <laughs> Uh, that that doesn't scan. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it it takes past me, good... me. You might want to have a bit of an edit on that one. It takes about five goes through on a demo for me to just even work out where each lyric goes. So I I can sympathise there. If I was salvaging this for parts, I'd take that bridge again. I'd do something like that because I like the way those chords move with each other. Seeing as that was kind of like more or less the basis for it. But yeah, that's about it. All I have to say on that one. I'd look forward to hearing a fully produced version of it. It sounds like it should have drums right off the bat, so that'd be cool to hear. Thank you. Uh, my next one uh, was song nine for me in February, and uh, it's called No Surprise. It's in C Thief! major. You nicked uh, one of my song titles again. Thief! Bandit! Blackguard! I feel really bad. I've done that twice in February. That one. Look, I know there are only so many ideas in the world, but you don't have to steal mine, okay? <laughs> They're quite specific, too. <laughs> this is a public apology. I'm sorry. Uh, oh. But this is oh, called, dear. no surprise, Roger's version. And it goes like... <laughs> I just imagine you like Taylor Swift now, like just oh, yeah. <laughs> doing all of my songs, but Roger's version. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. Here it goes like this. Song nine, no surprise. C major. Sometimes I wonder if you wanted to 
No surprise, no surprise. I can tell by the look in your eyes. No surprise, no surprise, no So that was Roger's song, No Surprise. And No Surprise is excellent. Uh, <laughs> I love this one, Roger. Tell, tell us about the creation of this song. Tell us where it fell in the month. Tell us what you were feeling at that time. Tell us what colour T-shirt you were wearing. Tell us what you'd had for lunch the day before. Oh, the day before. So that's like the food that fueled the song. Yes. The straw that broke the camel's back. If you like. The uh, nail that... Anyway, um, no, uh, go on. <laughs> I was trying to think of. I was thinking either the nail and the coffee, or the, co- the coffee. It's been a long day. <laughs> I need a coffee. I need a nail and the coffee. I'm sorry, everyone. Um, so where did it start? Um, I don't exactly remember where it started, but I imagine it was around the 10th of February. So I was getting a little bit behind. Like this is about the point where I stopped writing every single day. And took a little break. It's song nine, and you wrote it on the tenth. Like you were, like I was scheduling my ninth song to be around the eighteenth or the twentieth. Like you had, like basically a week and a half on me at this point. <laughs> I, su- I suppose so. Um, but like we said before, I slowed down towards the end, and you sped up. So you know, we, we were probably crossing over at this point. But yeah, I suppose it was just like um, strumming on C coming up with melodies, coming up with the chords and lyrics, but figuring out what the song was about as I was writing it. So That's kind of a method of yours, isn't it? You kind of write the music and the words as you go, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And I've started to refine that more and more, particularly over this February challenge where I'll come up with my general musical idea and then I'll write the lyrics at the same time. I've always done that, but like... I'll write out a verse of just anything, anything that comes up, any words that fit the syllable count. Um, and then I'll either like get rid of that verse entirely and write a new one with the syllables, the same syllables in their place, but different words or alter the words that I wrote originally. But quite often what will happen is um, what comes out subconsciously will sort of inform what else comes later in the song. Uh, let's have a look at the lyrics for the first verse here. Um, yes, let's have a look at them on the radio. <laughs> um, I don't know why I try so hard to keep the good cards up my sleeve. An honest gambler in an honest world is harder to believe. I mean, there's not a great deal of meaning there. I mean, you got, kind of got the cards and the gambler, so like that's kind of like an, a piece of imagery there. But like, what does that mean? And I, I'm literally asking that. Like, well, well I mean like uh, you talk about gambling gambling's a sort of thing where you have to hide your true emotions you talk about an honest gambler in an honest world like uh you know you hear uh like uh, one of the key images that comes to mind if you're creating characters might be a gambler who's like dodgy who cheats to get his way so like there's thematic ideas running through there about truth and honesty yeah i suppose you're right actually yeah i took on all the blame for all the times you held us in your flame i wonder if i changed that when i sang it cuz sometimes i do that like if I think a lyric's a little weak, I'll kind of like just sing something else. And I think I might have done on this demo. 
Um, yeah, it's one of those weird things. I don't get it for whole lines, but I get it with like phrasing of certain things. Where like I'll start seeing something, I'll get the words in my head, and then like a should might change to a will, or like um, need might change to a want or something. And then you look back at the lyrics and you go like, I've not sung it like that for some time. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. And it almost sort of affords you a certain... Uh, you can cut yourself some slack, I guess, because what you're doing is like you're writing out your first draft of lyrics. And if in your mind you're thinking like, oh, I need to write the perfect set of lyrics that every word is in the right place. It's quite, you know, intimidating, isn't it? Whereas if you go, oh, I'll write would instead of can or should instead of whatever it's going to be eventually, um, it allows you to um, work on it later, you know, and I think that's kind of nice. You know, you can be a bit rougher. That's also kind of the nice thing about like trialing songs at things like open mic nights or like a songwriter showcases or like uh, uh, even just on like uh, if you've got like uh, private groups with friends where you can sort of share like your songwriting progress, like you can evolve this stuff slowly over time. Like uh, I think one thing that always started with me was when I was reading like uh, Frank Turner's first book about uh, being on the road mm. and he talks about uh, he always prefers that. Because the idea with a studio recording is you're trying to get the version of the song, like the version that everyone will love forever. Whereas on the road, like each song can potentially be created anew every night. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And there's something fun like that in the demo process. Definitely, definitely. Um, And I think it's actually the genesis of like a lot of good ideas that might end up on the final thing as well. Like if you allow, we've said this before on the podcast, but like if you allow yourself that um, license to play and just like, instead of getting everything right, just be like, I'm going to try this, try out this version. And like, if it's a demo, no one ever has to hear it. Maybe it's my own personal recording of it, but that might allow you the freedom to be like, I'm going to put a funny effect on the bass guitar or like sing a little bit goofy. And that might, give you an idea for um you know a melody or something that you never would have thought of if you were trying to be a perfectionist about it i think that's the key word isn't it is play it's trying to have fun with it and just sort of seeing how far you can bend it and uh, push it before like you have to like commit to anything and even once you've recorded it you still don't have to commit to anything (laughs) that's kind of the main thing i take away from it don't be a perfectionist i guess it's like there, there are times for being a perfectionist. Definitely. And, and there are times where, like, actually, you'll never get to write songs if you write your first three songs and go, they weren't perfect, you know, woe is me, I'm never going to write again. Because, I th- yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, the realisation of, like, I do write crap songs. I have written crap songs. But because I've written them, I got to the good ones. That's like, and that's purely through playing and just having fun, you know. Yeah, like, uh, and it's also when you're having fun, you're more relaxed and you can rely more on your instincts. Yes. And once you've written so many songs, you tend to get relatively good instincts for what's going to make a strong song. Uh, they're not always the correct instincts, as uh, certain episodes of this podcast will prove. <laughs> um, uh, but by the same token like uh it's the it's the same with anything like songwriting as much as it's an art it is a skill as well particularly if you're trying to write something uh in the vein of pop music uh which most of us are to some degree there's very few people uh, uh who are actively trying to make their songs like avant-garde and nothing else <laughs> 
Yeah, we most of us want some kind of whether it's uh, a lyric that people can relate to or a catchy hook that will get in people's heads or a chord progression that people find moving or we want that, you know, 95% of us or so. Yeah, and it's like there are certain quote-unquote rules that we all agree that we should stick to, like the Western musical scale for one of them. Um, (laughs) Within those rules, you can have a lot of fun. Absolutely. That's such a great way of putting it. Um, one last thing about this song, which, um, again, uh, was a, uh, a bit of kind of going in for the unknown is, uh, the last part of the chorus, the very end of the song, I was rather pleased with, um, where it kind of goes, uh, where the hook comes from. No surprise, no surprise. I could tell by the look in your eyes. Like, that's just one of those melodies where like, you can't like logically think of that stuff. I mean, I guess you could maybe, I don't know, but I can't, um, and it just it's very of, FM radio, though, isn't it? Very much so, yeah. And, uh, you know, it always feels like a nice, um, fortunate moment when you come up with a little hook like that. So I was rather pleased with that. It almost feels less like finding them and more like discovering them, like you're an archaeologist of sound or something. Uh, my next one for the podcast <laughs> uh, is uh, it's a rather short one, actually. It's song seven of this run. Uh, and it's called The Cruel and Ruthless Sea. Oh, I like this one. I, you've, what are you talking about? You've never heard it before. Oh, yeah. So you should be hearing it for the first time. Uh, yeah, we've actually heard these several times before. Uh, of course we have. We've decided what's going on in an album. Uh, and it goes <laughs> like this. Explanations and an hour to revise The hours that I held in moonlight I need a solid plan of action And the will to act it out But I got me a tricky target Who knows what it's about But I can never give up trying Till I've said my little piece I can never leave you drowning In the cruel and ruthless sea I need to find the perfect angle Self-care. I know you say you're doing fine, but we can feel it in the air. And I can never give up trying to manage to get free. I could never leave you drowning in the cruel and ruthless sea. I know it's hard, you can rest assured. If help is needed, only send the word. But I can never give up trying. That was The Cruel and Ruthless Sea. Right off the bat, can I just ask you, when it goes into the quieter verses, there's some diminished chords there? What are they? I can't quite pin down what they are. So the that's kind of based around the B. It starts off going from... It's kind of a similar pattern to um, uh, the pattern from uh, Late to Bed, the start of that, mm. where it goes from B, B major 7, B6, B5, which is basically just a power chord, 
and then it takes away uh, goes down to a B flat five, which sounds like a diminished. Ah, and then and then back up to a B five. Nice. Yeah, it's really effective. It's it's really cool. Um, I mean, just a great song. One of my favorites of yours, actually, from the February challenge. Just very, um, I don't know, almost like uh, I was going to say burlesque. That's not the right word. Um, what, what musical. Yeah, musical cabaret type of thing. Um, very cool melody and just, uh, yeah, big fan. Uh, so what was the thinking behind this one? Was this like consciously I want to write a musical type of song? or um, It's uh, kind of me thinking like, oh, I just want to try something that's a bit, I don't know what the term is, but like uh, something a bit more jazzy with the chords maybe. Mm. Like the verses aren't that. Like uh, there's a lot of suspensions and things in there. And like a cheeky little minor four, but like uh, the chorus is just basically full on. Like you could expect that to be played by a jazz band if you wanted. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, um, you can kind of you could produce this in a lot of different ways. I mean, again, this is one that we're putting on our album, and um, while we were listening to it, then I was thinking about how the drums could go, and you could just take it in a lot of different directions. You could even make it like one of those sort of can't think of a good example, but like one of those fast, upbeat punk songs that has the sort of jazz inflection or have it like a big band song traditionally or... I mean, how would you take it? I've not considered the punk thing before. That could be interesting. Like, uh, I think that might be fun, like to do like a big band version of it and then do the quiet like chorus and then just come in full heavy metal like... I would never leave it! <laughs> <laughs> That could be kind of cool. I mean, genre roulette within one song and a short song at that. That could be kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's short. It's only 1 minute 37. Um, I don't think it's quite the shortest song I've written for the podcast, but it's getting there. It's only really got those two bits in it, the set of chords for the chorus and set of chords for the verse. There's a couple of diminished that make up a bridge, but you could easily light the ear. It's kind of... That bit's very inspired by the way that you sometimes used to do things in songs where you'd run up or run down the diminished. That's running up two of them. It's not running up three of them. In fact, I said as we were um, listening to it, this is probably the most you song I've ever written. Like if I was going to try and write a song that sounded like Roger <laughs> Evans, it would probably sound something like this. All right. Out of out of pure like <clears throat> vain curiosity, what components do you, do you feel like make it like that? It's uh, kind of, the general lighter nature of it, the sort of slightly more sophisticated chord sounds in there, the diminished run-up in the bridge is a big one. Mm, mm. But also, like, it's a melody that actually travels as opposed to sticking mainly to one note. Interesting. Like, I'm, I must say this is, like, a song that sounds like you in comparison to what I normally sound like, <laughs> if that makes sense. These are all qualities I'm sort of defining, like, against me rather than against all of music. No, sure, sure. I, I definitely get that. Um, When you went for the jazzy approach, did you have to kind of, like, work outside of your normal wheelhouse melodically? Like, you were saying, like, rather than staying to, like, a static set of notes or melody, it kind of, like, travels quite a lot. Is that something that you don't do often, or is that something, like, that was a challenge, or...? Well, fortunately, in the verses, that was... um kind of like contained within the chords and the substitution. So it's just kind of like, oh, just sing that. Uh, oh, I think right, this was yeah. the one that this was the one that was written after um I Know I Belong Here. So like it's very much the other way, whereas that one's like, do not sing the melody 
uh, that the guitar is playing come up with original lines. This one's very much like sing everything that the guitar is doing right now. <laughs> and that <laughs> uh, movement is kind of implied in the chorus as well. So like, uh, like uh, it's, it's very easy to sort of sing on top of that. So I think it's just a result of how the chords came out. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think that's often the best kind of way to do it. I mean, it's funny, like, when, you, when you're writing generally most songs that have any kind of pop sensibility to them, quite often if you really break it down, you'll notice that the notes that you're singing are the notes and the chords, or at least passing notes between the notes and the chords. So it's a really good tactic for writing, I think. Mm. Yeah, because obviously what you're singing has got to harmonise with what you're playing. Otherwise, you end up with that Tim Minchin song, F-sharp, which I desperately want to cover one day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's hilarious. I like that. Uh, I was going to say, this one, obviously, as I alluded to earlier, is kind of like lyrically sort of the same general vibe as uh, the other one. So this one was kind of written... When I got to writing the lyrics, I ended up thinking about... um, Actually started off like uh, the way you do, like I just wrote the first line and it's just like... I don't know what that means, but it sounds good. Let's keep it in there. Um, Rami, what's the first line again? I need a set of explanations and an hour to revise the answers that are held in moonlight. I like that. That's really cool. It it sets up an imagery right away um, that kind of makes you think, okay, right, what's coming next? Yeah, I have no idea what that means, but like, it sounds nice, so it's in there. Uh, But then when I got to writing the rest of it, Uh, I need a plan of action. It's like, what do I need a plan of action for? And at that time, a friend of mine, one of the friend actually who um, uh, introduced me to the uh, challenge, the February song challenge, and who was, uh, who I was also sending the songs along to, uh, as well as you. Sorry, Roger, I was cheating on you. Oh my Um, God. I know. Uh, He was going through a bit of a down point at that time. I think he was going through a lot of emotional difficulties and as kind of like uh and this was different because he was actually part of my life at the time and i was still trying to see him as much as i could so it's kind of like you know what i'll I'll write a little song about that uh yeah and rather than being like this sort of more vague and abstract thing it kind of uh ties in a bit more to the specific things because obviously i actually know him and I can meet him in real life and things like that. Uh, like uh, things where it's like, um, I know you say you're doing fine, but we can all feel it in the air that you really need some self-help. Uh, mm, mm. Which um, he's better now, by the way. I shall say that mm. <laughs> right up front and centre. Better now. Not thanks to me, but thanks to, you know, <laughs> situations being temporary. Huzzah. Um. <laughs> Good old transient life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's also just keeping it a lot simpler on the chorus like uh, I actually really like the metaphor because it's not original but it's like um, I can never leave you drowning in the cruel and ruthless sea mm. rather than just like because you hear that lyric a lot of the time like I'm just drowning in this ocean of this that and the other it's like hmm let's just ascribe some emotions to life a second shall we which ones shall we pick <laughs> <laughs> but like then it also that. fits with, but then it also fits with that like oldie timey jazzy sort of feel with it as well like the cruel and ruthless sea like sailors might talk about absolutely uh, it's yeah. i suppose that that's one of the reasons it gives me that sort of like uh, musical feel because 
well because of the, the title of the song and that refrain and it it almost like what i kind of like about it is it's that um juxtaposition of singing about something that is you know cruel and ruthless sea of emotion with this like just like a really happy melody i think that's a very cool uh, contrast well that's kind of like uh something that i just tend to do a lot uh listeners will know i tend to do this a lot uh it comes from this interview of mika where he was saying something about like oh if you most people if they're trying to say something sad they uh play minor chords and they sing all forlornly and this that and the other whereas that's not a very fun way to do it the much more way to fun do it is this and he just starts playing the chorus of grace kelly mm-hmm. uh where it's like i could be brown i could be blue i could be violet sky i could be hurtful i could be purple i could be anything you like and it's just kind of like oh yeah you see that now <laughs> <laughs> oh it's just that that's kind of why music to me is just so interesting because you can you can pair these things together that don't necessarily fit and it kind of create like a hybrid that's art baby yeah but again it's one of those things that comes about uh, unconsciously sometimes you know like i don't know i don't know if that was the case with this one but certainly is for me quite often yeah it's not the case so much that uh, uh i was thinking like i'm going to write songs about my friend who's going through a bit of shit at the moment let's do it in an upbeat and jaunty manner um, it was more the thing of like, okay, so I've got this upbeat and jaunty song. Can I talk about this in a way that doesn't feel completely out of key with the music? Mm, mm, that makes sense. That's normally the way I go about it. This also goes back to what we were saying before about the way, like, this song is another one of those that kind of cemented in my head the idea that if you're going to talk about something negative, talk about it in an upbeat manner. And also, because it's meant to be this sort of thing like, you know, come on. You know, I can, you know, I'll try and be there for you. We can try and get through this. Although it's a negative subject matter, it fits the message of the song, which is like, you know, things are shit, but let's make it okay. That's definitely a recurring theme this season, isn't it? What, things being shit? <laughs> but let's it's make 2022. it okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a lovely theme to like, not the things are shit theme, but just things are shit, but life, <laughs> let's make it better, you know. That's kind of like have a silver lining to the cloud type of idea. Exactly. That's more or less what we're going for here. I don't believe we have any emails this week. So what have you been listening to this week, which you've liked? Well, we've not actually had a full week between records. I'll just give you this little peek between the curtains. Don't now tell between the curtains. Behind the curtain. Much more interesting. Yeah, so it's only been a couple of things that have being in rotation one of which is new song by fletcher james who was on the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago i'm growing growing ever more tired of everything had my quarter life crisis in the summer just needs a couple of things but she's a runner i fancy running away but my knees are on the same page He's released a song called Doubts, uh, which was a bit of an awful one for me hearing it, the fully produced version for a full time, because I've heard it a lot at open mics, and it's like this piano ballady thing. And it's like got this, not swung slightly, but it's like um, it's a slight swing to it, but not in the way that it's like a, a bluesy ballad or anything like that. And then listening to the produced version, like, it's got this like really pulsing straight drum beat for it and those sort of accents work against that 
it's like oh that's interesting and there's these mm-hmm. lovely synthesizers that rise in the chorus and it's going oh it's really well <laughs> like produced those. isn't it yeah I, I checked it out too um yeah that's well worth a listen doubts uh yeah very cool and then the other one uh sort of re-entered uh my listening it's another Foles song that's going to be on the upcoming album. Uh, I am basically just the Foles advertising department at the moment. song called 2am and it's just uh it's a great song i love it it's got this really lovely deep bass in verse two and this lovely tone to it like the vocals sound like they've been like blasted through a speaker slightly too loud so it's got like a nice natural overdrive on it but there's this sound effect that sort of loops throughout it and starts it off like a do 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 kind of thing and that's now just sort of become my brain buffering noise (laughs) (laughs) like if i if i don't have many thoughts for too long that starts happening it's just like oh i guess i gotta listen to the song now (laughs) it's almost like it's sort of um what you call it uh subliminal advertising or something it's so catchy you just have to listen to it basically yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh that's awesome i'm definitely gonna check out some falls you've uh you've sold me on the of the idea hmm i'd be interested to see what you prefer more like the older slightly more dancey stuff or like the slightly more rocky stuff of like the past two albums and the upcoming one i'm gonna guess before listening that i'll prefer the rocky stuff but i'll i'll get back to you and let you know what i think hmm i shall be interested what have you been listening to this week this is getting very like a old timey radio uh like um nighttime radio like and so we have another caller in this week from Somerset. Uh, Roger. Hello. Roger, please go ahead. Hello, Roger. Yeah. Please go ahead and tell us uh, what you've been listening to this week. Well, I am just going to bring one uh, because I went to go and see My Chemical Romance um, two days ago on Sunday. We'll carry And the song I'm going to uh, bring along is a song called Cancer from their album, The Black Parade. Turn away If you could get me a drink of water Cause my lips are chapped and faded Call my Aunt Marie Help her gather all my things And bury me colors my sisters and my brothers still i will not kiss you i feel like it's something of like a, a fan favorite and uh, they hadn't played it in like 10 years um this particular song and i was there the first time they played it in all that time and it was just amazing live but it's just such a good song it's got it's basically like a kind of um Rolodex of all the chords you and I talk about on a weekly basis. 
it's like I think it's in C major and it uses minor four, so F major. I think it's got a major two in there, uh, major three, just all sorts of different things. Um, and, but it's just it's beautiful. It's it's melodically beautiful. It's about losing somebody to cancer, and it's just gorgeous. Yeah. So I mean, you will be hearing little bits of it now. I think. Um, but yeah, that's a very good song. I have not listened to that album in quite a while. I'm going to have to go back to that because I'm a dirty casual. I've only heard the album Black Parade. I've only heard it once or twice. And I'm just double checking now. Do I have free cheers for Sweet Revenge? Have I been able to afford it? <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> I've not heard that one. But I've heard um, uh, one of the singles off it because I've had to play it before. But yeah, I can imagine that was a great show. It was amazing. I mean, I'm the same as you. I'm a dirty casual fan. I... But it's not that I haven't heard the other albums, it's just that the Black Parade is such a strange, amazing anomaly. It's like, it's just genre roulette, it's heavy, it's melodic, the chord work is incredible, it's well produced. So when I was at the concert, like, every two out of three songs, I was just like standing there, just like, in silence, just listening. And then like, one would come on from the Black Parade album and I was like dancing and like singing along and everything. <laughs> Like, the people around me must have thought I was, like, schizophrenic or something. <laughs> but, uh, no, it was, it was amazing. And, yeah, Cancer was it was great live. So that's it for this episode of the Weekly Song Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you uh, think that we might benefit from hearing your words and the listeners might benefit from having your words spread out on the airwaves by this master of speaking in the English language... Uh, <laughs> then why not send those words in in the form of an electronic letter to uh, weeklysongpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, go on, write them down, send them in. I'll speak them out. Uh, if you've got a song, we'll play it as well. Yeah. L- look at us. We're just, a, we're just a crazy pair of rebels. We do what you like, which involves playing your songs. <laughs> <laughs> Try and stop us. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and YouTube if you search Weekly Song Podcast. Um, just pop it into Google. Uh, we'll, um, we'll come up on those services. Uh, Roger, whereabouts are people going to head for your music? What do they have to search to get there? Best place to find me online is at Roger Heathers on Instagram. Um, I post a lot of like recording clips and the making of the music I'm making, that sort of thing. Uh, find my music on Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp, YouTube, etc., etc., by searching Roger Heathers. Uh, that's about it. Um, Declan, where can people find you and your uh, two releases currently? My my current two releases, one of which is like, it's almost coming up to the anniversary of uh, Apathy. Oh, yeah. Might have to do something for that. Probably won't. So you can um, uh, find my music at Bandcamp and no other place. No, I joke. Uh, on <laughs> Spotify, on Apple Music, all the various places. Search Declan Kitchener. The releases are called Apathy Will Get You Nowhere and The Captive Audience EP. I am also on Instagram at Camborner. I don't think I've ever promoted that on the podcast before because I barely put anything on it just when I'm slightly annoyed and that annoyance fits a visual format. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's about where you can find me. <laughs> and if you want to see us be to be top of the world, uh, come back to us next week uh, for more of whatever this is. Ta-ra! Ta-ra!